The following conversation originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour, locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon. Our guest this morning is Mike Bittner. Mike is the Utilities Director for the City of Bend. He leads a team of skilled water, uh, wastewater, and stormwater professionals to provide core services to one of the fastest growing communities in the United States. Oops, sorry about that one. (laughs) Welcome to The Point, Mike Bittner, and thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Louise. Uh, Great to be here. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Uh, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do as utilities director for the city of Bend? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, great. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, well, I think first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a husband and a, uh, a father of two here in the Northeast Bend, a high school graduate coming up next week. And so I am, you know, a part of this community, have been for the last eight years. Uh, prior to that, I spent some time in the uh, Phoenix Metro, where I, I did a lot in the water world. Prior to that, I was from the um, originally from the Upper Midwest. Um, my first role in, the, in government was City of St. Paul, Minnesota, where I worked for the wastewater utility there. So I've traveled around a little bit. But as my wife and I started our family, we definitely uh, decided to call Bend home about eight years ago, and it's been uh, been a great place since. But um, but yeah, my role here at uh, at the city has has evolved over the years. I actually started in the conservation side and uh, have been able to work my way through the organization. Yeah, and now I'm, I'm leading a great group of folks, uh, 120 staff um, that, uh, that provide some of these core services to our community, water, wastewater, stormwater. We have some critical facilities, a water treatment facility, a wastewater treatment facility. Uh, we've got a water laboratory. So there's a lot going on any, any given day. Um, and then we get to work as part of a, a much larger unit here as the city of Bend. You know, we're a, a set of municipally owned utilities. And so we work super close with our engineering group, uh, with our leadership team to understand where our council wants us to go. And so it's a, it's a very diverse role. Um, uh, but I but I love it. It brings a little bit of uh, something new every single day. So the the water system. I mean, the city of Bend is over a hundred years old. When did Bend originally get it? Or where did Bend? Sorry, I'm having trouble this morning. Where did Bend originally get its water? And where does it get it now? Yeah, that's an interesting story. I. I I would love to put together a, a, just a long, hour-long presentation on really just the history of the water, and I, I, I know some staffers would like to do that as well. But the, the short story is this. You know, Bend, when it was really coming into the zone in the early 1900s, um, right around 1920s or so, we really started to have some serious water quality issues in the Deschutes River. You know, logging operations were increasing. We were grazing upstream uh, with cattle and Bend was starting to take off, and the water utility at the time was very small. It was just in Old Town Bend, Oregon, or Old Town Bend, pretty much where the original streetlights were. Um, the original water utility was owned by Bend Water Power and Light um, for those first couple of decades, um, decade and a half. Um, but 1923, uh, the Oregon uh, Board of Public Health uh, condemned the Deschutes River as a source of, of drinking water, uh, as, as a source of potable supply. So it was a major blow to, to a growing community at that time. You think about, you know, Bend 1922, we're really just starting to become, you know, Bend um, and, and a real destination for uh, for agricultural communities, for farmers, uh, for people to you know come to this growing community. And that was a really difficult blow. And so 
uh, Ben Waterlight and Power had some decisions to make. Do they really invest heavily in filtration technology, which was available at the time, or do they um, get out of the water business? And so they, they chose to get out of the water business. The city of Ben stepped in at that time and purchased the water utility in 1923 and um, with the condition that it had to go find a new source. And so it, it set out. We hired engineers and I actually have the uh, engineering report on my desk over here from 1924 that did the original assessment of the system, the inventory of the wooden pipes, um, and really the prospects for for what other sources of supply were out there. And so, uh, again, it's a long story. Um, I think sources such as Fall River were explored, Green Lakes were explored, but ultimately uh, it was the spring-fed flows uh, up in the municipal watershed, what has now been municipal watershed, where we have Tomalo Creek and, and Bridge Creek. And so those spring-fed flows were really identified as the the best source of new uh, water supply for this growing community. Um, it, it really had three things. It was it was gravity fed. You know, it was above the it was it was of high quality because uh, it was above the grazing areas, um, and it was um, uh, and it was high. It was very reliable. You know, the snowpack overall precipitation in the watershed, you know, continues to be reliable despite even these last few really really challenging years. Um, it is still reliable um, by by in the grand scheme of things. And so for those three reasons, yeah, um, um, the city of Bend's source of water supply, the primary source of water supply has been the Bend Municipal Watershed, a spring-fed source for the last 100 years. It's a really, really great story. I'm still trying to wrap my head around wooden pipes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I was thinking splinters in the water. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Yep. No, that's, there's some interesting uh, infrastructure that, that has evolved over the years and, and the use of wooden pipes and sliding them together and then wrapping them in coil wire so that once you soak them in water, they expand and it actually is a pretty watertight uh, way to move water around. And so, um, again, part of that hour-long class I need to put together, Louise. <laughs> so we are going to talk about the Integrated Water System Master Plan. So why don't you tell us how and why did Bend have to create this master plan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fast forward 100 years, right? Um, and, and we're a growing community and, and really what what uh, forward thinking communities do that own water utilities is they go through a water master planning effort every five to 10 years to really take a close look at the engineering and really hydraulics of your water system. Where are the weak where do you need to grow? Um, where, where do you need to invest in the future? You know, is it future additions to the system? Or do you have infrastructure that is uh, in need of repair or replacement? You know, where do you want to focus your investments? That's really what the intent of a water master plan is. And that's really what our, our engineering group at the city of Bend, um, uh, Ryan o led by Ryan Oster and Brittany Barker, um, that's really their focus. And so they really lead these projects to go and do this deep dive of the engineering analysis of our water system to really find those weak points, you know, are we built for the future? Are we climate resilient? Um, what um, what kind of circumstances should we be planning for? And so we do a lot of different scenario planning as far as, you know, future water use, what could happen? Where, if we grow in this area, what does that mean from an infrastructure standpoint? Um, if we don't grow, what does that mean? Um, so there's a lot of different considerations in a water master plan. But, um, but yeah, the integrated water system master plan that we just uh, uh, wrapped up here, Last, uh, last in, in late 2021, and we're really just starting to, you know, put our, I think our, put our, wrap our brains around the first projects that are coming out of that integrated water system master plan, uh, was a really unique effort in itself. Um, it wasn't just a water master plan. It was an integrated water system master plan, which really meant that we did three projects uh, kind of at once. We did the water master plan engineering analysis. 
But we also updated two other documents, our water management and conservation plan, which really outlines our water supplies and how we how we approach conservation. And then we also updated our water public facilities plan. That's the plan that really makes sure that we have enough space to grow um, and enough facilities um, for the next 20 year horizon. So all three of those exercises, all three of those projects are often done in isolation. This time we integrated the three of them. We did them with the same consultant, with the same data set, with the same project team. So the results were that much more uh, effective um, when uh, when we took a look at that final output of those projects. Mike, what are some of the high-priority capital improvement projects identified in the master plan? Oh, great question, Louise. Yeah, so these these master plans, that's the, really their end goal is to create a, a clear list of, of project priorities for the city. And so, you know, there's, there's a long list of projects here that carry us out over 20 years. It's usually a pretty uh, uh, advantageous um, list, you know, that we usually don't fully get through. But I think two in particular that I'd like to highlight – um, are the Outback uh, facility expansion. That's really the expansion of our water filtration facility campus. Um, we're out off of Skyliners Road. We're working with the Forest Service, Service right now to really expand that facility so that we can do some pretreatment of water, uh, surface water as it enters our system. That's really important as we think about things like wildfire resiliency and really operating our water systems in a post, post-wildfire world. Unfortunately, those are the kind of things that we have to think about. Believe it or not, even the fire back in 1979 um, still shows up in our in our you know water quality testing and our operations um, when we run that facility. And after we receive or receive a wet May or a wet April or May like we've had here, we'll have turbidity events after those rainfall events, and that's directly attributed to a fire that happened you know over, almost 50 years ago or over 40 years ago. So um, you know, really making sure that that facility is prepared for the next 50 years, 50 to 100 years, and has an additional the additional space to do pre-treatment um, and through some pre-sedimentation prior to water going into the water filtration facility and then entering the system. That's one of the really key priorities that came out of the water system master plan. And I think the other one is really the focus on conservation. Um, that's really a big step for a small city that's you know graduating into mid-sized city status here as we are in Bend. Uh, for a utility to recognize that the capital investments in water conservation and efficiency pay off, you know, and they pencil out over time is is just a, I think, just a big step in, in you know, in, in, from a leadership standpoint. And so now we have uh, the funds and the resources we need to really advance conservation and efficiency measures where and when we need. It's really just a matter of how do we execute, how do we staff up, how do we how do we make sure that we do this right. And so those are two, I think, key outputs of the the integrated water system master plan that are really important for people to understand. So I'm going to skip a little bit here. One of the positive things that I read about when I was doing some research is that Ben's water usage, um, despite our population doubling since 2000, our highest water use day demand is less than it was in 2008. And how is that possible? Is that because of conservation? Conservation is part of it. Uh, part of its growth and development, and how we've densified, you know, as a community over the last uh, couple of decades. Yeah, the numbers are pretty interesting when you look at them. I think between 2000 and 2020, over that 20-year period, we doubled the number of service connections. So, 14,000 people getting water from us versus 30,000 people getting water from us. How does your peak day sort of sort of stay the same? Well, it's more multifamily facilities, more um, more townhomes, people moving into lots with four or five, 6,000 square feet versus 10, 12, 15,000 square feet like we used to do 10, 20, 30 years ago. 
So you know, how we build and develop um, is influencing how people use water on the other side of the meter in their homes. And if you're living on a smaller lot and don't have a larger landscape irrigation system, then then that's you know that that's a lot easier for us as a utility to serve. And so that's why we look really closely at that you know maximum day demand and and really looking back at, at how we can how we can manage that, you know, moving forward. That's really important for desert cities that have sort of peak seasonal, peak uh, uh, season demands like we do in, uh, in, in the high desert. And you mentioned about the landscaping. So is landscaping one of the big uses of uh, residential water? It is for us here in Bend. Um, you know, again, municipal waters, city, or excuse me, municipal water use cities in general by 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 large are efficient users. Um, we have large issues happening in the basin in terms of land, uh, in terms of irrigation at the agricultural level. But when we boil it down and look at our individual lots and our little landscape irrigation systems that water our little lawns and our little landscapes and our flowers and our gardens and those sort of things, yeah, yeah, that is a big uh, draw on our water system. Uh, typically, May, June, July is when we turn on groundwater wells and we have to go beyond that primary source of water supply that we started talking about that we've been on for 100 years. That's really where we have to adapt, supply additional groundwater to meet that peak seasonal demand. That's carbon intense water um, um, and you know it's energy intense. It costs us about two times uh, the amount of money to, to, to provide groundwater versus surface water. And so, that's, so that's yeah. because you have to pump it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, a, a gallon of water uh, weighs eight pounds. And so pumping that from 500 feet or a thousand feet below uh, takes up quite a bit of uh, energy, a lot of electricity. And so, yeah, if we can avoid la- large landscape irrigation systems, um, um, large landscape large landscape irrigation systems, uh, that would be great um, and really just densify and really have smaller drip focused irrigations more appropriate high desert landscapes, I think is really where we need to focus. So one of the programs that you have that you're trying to get the public involved in, and the public has been involved in, obviously, is the WaterWise program. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the WaterWise program is really sort of the public-facing conservation uh, portal for uh, for the city of Bend. So WaterWiseTips.org has all kinds of great resources for people to, to take a look at, uh, depending on your circumstances. Uh, may You may qualify for a sprinkler inspection. Um, we do a program once a year, excuse me, over the course of the year where we uh, will put trained professionals in people's yards, working with them, looking at their irrigation controller and giving them a quick lesson. I think that program is currently full. It's been really popular. And one of the cool things we're, pot- we're piloting a part of that program this year is um, some incentive and rebate programs that will actually move the needle on water conservation and efficiency. So maybe providing a, a rebate for a smart irrigation controller um, or a, a drip irrigation conversion kit. Those are the kind of some of the things that we're piloting this year. So as we go into 2023 and really ramp up some of the conservation and efficiency measures that are available, we're, we really start to get good at this and we can really do it at scale and make it available to all of our customers. But um, but yeah, lots of resources available at waterwisetips.org. Cool. Um, A study that was released earlier this year found that the western U.S. is experiencing the worst drought in 1,200 years. And in Deschutes County, a drought has been declared for an unprecedented third year in a row. How is this affecting the water supply for the city of Bend? And is planning for drought part of that overall water planning effort? Yeah, let me answer the, the last question first here. So the answer to that is yes. Uh, planning for drought is always part of our planning efforts. Um, it has been for Ben for at least the last 20 years as we've really been developing water management conservation plans and looking 
conservation as a source of, of, of water supply for the future. Um, so, um, so yes, uh, drought has always been, is going to continue to be a part of our planning for us as a high desert city. We'll continue to do that. We have to, um, which we're a little bit different than some of our, our Western neighbors on the other side of the Cascades. Um, our water use is different. Our geology is a little bit different. Our sources of supply are a little bit different. And so they're going to be affected by climate change differently. Um, and so, you know, just look at what's happening right now. You see really, really wet year on the West side of the Cascades. And here we are again, battling extreme drought. So, so the, the short answer to your question, Marianne, is, is yes, we're going to pay close attention to our surface water supplies and make sure that we we have uh, that we maintain in-stream flows and that we make sure that we are living up to all of our obligations and, and to use that and using that source of supply in the, the sensitive way that it needs to be used, utilized. Um, but then also looking at ways to uh, to simply use less and reduce the uh, the amount of water that we need to need to use as a community. Uh, another big question. I'm looking at the time. We have about a minute left for you to answer this. We've been warned about this year's fire season and that it could be one of the worst we've seen. Does the city have enough water available to fight fires during those hot days of summer when, where there's such a high demand for water? Wow, that's a really great question. Yeah, uh, fire flow availability. That's the key, uh, one of the key reasons our system, our water system exists is to put out fire, not to irrigate your landscapes. It's to make sure that we stay alive here in the case of a fire. So short answer to your question is yes. Um, we have reservoirs that are built uh, to do, to deliver a certain amount of flow for a certain amount of time, um, and all of our uh, reservoirs meet those standards. Um, but I will tell you absolutely, Marianne, that we're all we're thinking a lot more about that and really what that means to be able to be ready for uh, a wildfire. But um, but from a water system standpoint, yes, we uh, we have the the water availability to to meet those fire needs. Can you give us that website again if our listeners want to find out more about all these different programs you've talked about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, WaterWiseTips.org is a great resource to check out if you're looking for conservation-focused materials. Um, and, of course, we're municipally-owned utilities. We're with the City of Bend, so cityofbend.gov. Uh, you can just search the bar there and find all kinds of great water information about the Integrated Water System Master Plan or any of the other things that I've mentioned here today. Great. Okay. I'm looking at the clock and we are done. So thank you so much, Mike Bittner. We really enjoyed our conversation with you this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. You as well. Okay. Well, that is about it for the Wednesday Point. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.